You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome one and welcome all, I guess, to the greatest show of them all. It is the NFC East mixtape, which you can listen to on any one of SB Nation's NFC East blog podcast networks. You can also watch us for whatever reason on the Bleeding Green Nation YouTube channel or the Blog and the Boys YouTube channel. I say us. We are the most narcissistic people in the world, and that bit us in the ass over Super Wild Card Weekend. <laughs> he is Brandon Lee Gotten from Bleeding Green Nation. I am RJ Ochoa from Blog and the Boys. BLG, as, um, as the great cast of Chicago said, he had it coming. We are the he. We are frauds. We are trash. I can tell you're not sounding very well, so you can only imagine you're you're sick. I'm not sick. Um, I I don't mean this to be an ad, but I started um, a new you know thing going on for me. Um, the day we're recording on Tuesday, every morning from six to ten a.m. Central, uh, I'm on ninety four one San Antonio Sports Star in the morning, um, hmm. talking lots of things, including the Dallas Cowboys. So my voice is just a little stressed, but I'm not gotcha. sick uh, at all. Um, because you know, apparently I just need to talk about the Cowboys more in my life. That's, that's what I, you know, apparently deserve. Um, but, um, yeah, you were sick a little while ago. You seem better, right? Yeah. Uh, I feel like that's been a bit now, but I appreciate it. Yes. What's important here, RJ, is that we are once again, the NFC least mixtape, the only division not represented still in the nfl playoffs somehow even though they sent two teams to the playoffs um two teams that won 11 plus games uh somehow did not make it to the divisional round one team had a home playoff game um i'm I'm glad we get to talk about the division in division standing order this week because (laughs) uh that's what i'm most excited to get to honestly this is going to be a big Cowboys Eagles, really kind of an only Cowboys Eagles um, show. I mean, the commanders do have a new general manager. Um, what was the the verbiage that was in the um, the tweet you sent me? Um, Bizarre tweet. One of the best in the business. Yeah. I mean, for commanders fans sake, I hope that's true. I mean, maybe it will be true, but based on what now? What are, what are we basing you're, that on? You're talking out of turn. I was just asking for the language. It's um, crazy. I've, I've gotten a lot of tweets this you know weekend, um, early part of the week from people who were both excited and like dreadfully excited for the mixtape. Like, I, I don't know like how we all feel um, like, you know, the, um the, like the meme that is often shared about like two fan bases uniting to like cheer on another, like when, when the Niners and Cowboys beat the Eagles back to back, you know, weeks like those two fan bases, this is like our two fan bases. Like we both suck and we think you suck more than us, but we want to make sure that everyone knows that we think we suck, but we don't suck as much as you like it. Everyone is mad right now. Like everyone is angry, pissed off all the way around. I think it's different. I think uh, Eagles fans have been resigned to this team's fate. You know, obviously also getting out of turn. Also getting out of turn. 
Whereas, well, I'm turning that into the difference for the Cowboys is much more shocking. And can we just get into it? Are you ready? I mean, to talk we might as well. It? I was just kind of setting the stage. Um, okay. So, um, uh, by the way, uh, you sent me a tweet from friend of the show, Jimmy Kemsky, um, during the Monday night game. And I guess I misread it. I mean, maybe Jimmy said NFL, but I thought the tweet said um, that the NFC East was the only division not represented in the NFC playoffs. But you're right. It's literally the NFL playoffs. I don't know if that's what the tweet actually said. Like, that's literally, all other so seven bizarre. divisions are represented. Um, it's unfathomable when you really think about it. Um, but both teams were favored. Both NFC East teams were favored to win their games. I mean, it's just <laughs> absurd. Um, but anyway, okay, let's talk about it. The Dallas Cowboys lost in humiliating fashion on Sunday afternoon um, against the Green Bay Packers. They were seven-point favorites. They had won 16 games in a row at home. We've obviously talked about this a lot. Like We don't have to get to like the particulars of it. We're here for the like ramifications of it all. Uh, and for, for context, because this could matter uh, for either team here, uh, we're recording this at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time on Tuesday, January 16th. Um, I mean, just never in the game. Like, like it wasn't like it was close and it got away from them. Like, never in the game, never showed up. And they had, I think you would agree, even though you don't want to, they had built up an enormous amount of goodwill over the season. They had proven a lot of things that people have said about them in the past to not be true or to be silly or to just be dumb narratives. But they tore all that down. I mean, all they did was literally, I tweeted this at one point during the game. It was like they said, okay, what narratives can we just stress to like ruin our reputation? Like Dak Prescott threw interceptions. He, the narrative that he crumbles in big games is alive and well. The narrative that they're not prepared from a coaching standpoint, alive and well. The narrative that their defense is soft and just a bunch of front runners and pretenders, alive and well. They collapsed in the most embarrassing way possible. It was 27 to nothing at one point. And like, I, I also mentioned this, like I used to think that it would be much better to get blown out than to like lose a heartbreaker every game. Totally wrong. I would, I think I would rather lose the heartbreaker <laughs> because having to sit in this was horrible. Like it was, it was just an awful feeling like to just accept fate slowly happening like second by second, minute by minute. The third quarter and fourth quarter lasted forever. Um, it's one of the people are, are asking and pondering, like, is it the worst playoff loss ever in Dallas Cowboys franchise history? It's one of the, it's one of the most humiliating moments the franchise has had in the 21st century. I don't think there's any doubt about that. It was genuinely one of the joyous moments of this Eagle season because this Eagle season lacked a lot of just pure, unadulterated joy. Any kind of win that the Eagles had this year was, you know, uh, it came with an ugly win or whatever. This was just fantastic to watch. And the context, you know, is, is absolutely key here. And, like, short of getting the one seed, short of getting a first-round bye, everything was here for the count. Like, this was it. Your roster was healthy. No one was yeah. hurt. Not just that, because you're right. Not just that they were healthy and not just that they had home field advantage, albeit at the very least through the divisional round had they gotten there. But Dak was playing at an incredible level. Like, you know, like I thought uh, this is like a, a an Eagles reference, but like if the Eagles had lost in the divisional round in 2017, would anybody have blamed them? No, you know, because it would have been like, oh, well, the franchise quarterback got hurt. Like, you know, what could you do? Yeah. Um, but like. Dak was playing at an MVP level. Like you had maybe the best wide receiver in the NFL. You know what I mean? Like you, you were getting the best football from your best players. So it was more than just having the home field advantage and all those sorts of things. Like all the arrows pointed in one direction and you literally just crapped the bed. They even got some favorable calls. I thought in that game, not like I'm saying the whole way through, but I'm like, you know, that uh, the, the horse collar, that wasn't the horse collar. Like it's, there's no excuse here. Is my point. Like there's nothing that like, they had to overcome. Yeah. Everything was there for them. 
no team had ever lost. We how many times have we said on the podcast? It's very fitting that it happened finally, I guess, to one of the teams we cover that a seven seed had never won, had been pointless, and not only had not won, a lot of those games weren't even competitive, honestly. Right. Uh so for the Packers and, well, look and look I at the other about, one. Look look at the Steelers Bills game to that point. Like it, it was kind of close to the end, but like the Bills controlled that game like they should have, unlike the right. Cowboys, obviously. And and the Cowboys I think you would say like wanted the Packers as opposed to getting the Rams, having to see the Rams in that matchup. Like an inex I I said the record quarterbacks who hadn't started, uh, never played a playoff game against uh, experienced playoff starters were 15, 35 and one against the spread going into that game. Um, obviously CJ Stroud had done that in uh Saturday, so not totally impossible, but <laughs> there's just every reason to believe the Cowboys should have, at the very, very least, been competitive in the game, if not outright won the game. And, I mean, it really just cements, I think, what, from an Eagles perspective, like, it's not afraid of Mike McCarthy, not afraid of Dak Prescott, because, okay, yeah, they're good in the regular season, maybe they'll beat the Eagles, okay, but guess what? When it comes to the playoffs, it's not like, oh, we're so worried the Cowboys are going to go on this run. No, we're, we're counting, we're setting our watch to the fact that Mike McCarthy is going to blow it at some point. That team was not ready to play a playoff game. That is very embarrassing. Obviously, Dan Quinn was a big part of it, but so was McCarthy and the offense. And so was Dak Prescott, who, as I highlighted before the season, I said, RJ, interesting to me that he has the weakest com- like winning percentage of any multi-game winner in the playoffs ever. His two combined opponents he beat were 18 and 15. And now he's two and five in seven career playoff games out of 169 playoff quarterbacks who have at least won one game. Only seven have a worse winning percentage. Your boys, Lamar and Kirk are in there. Funny enough. Um, so there you go. And what I've said before too, is like, what's the precedent? What's the precedent for a playoff starting quarterback who hasn't been able to get it done in these big moments, like finally being able to get it done at some point. It's, it's not really there. So this was year eight for Dak Prescott, obviously. And like, I'm just answering your question on the precedent. We had um, ESPN's Todd Archer on our show on um, Tuesday morning. And he brought up, I mean, Peyton Manning got it done in year nine. I mean, again, I'm not comparing it to him. Just like answering the question. Matt Ryan reached the Super Bowl, had the MVP season in year nine. I believe uh, Todd said the only other person to like, you know, get to the Super Bowl after that was Ken Anderson of the Bengals in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, there's not a large precedent to your point. Like it's happened before, but like it's it's, yeah, not, it's not a, a common thing. But it's um, not favorable. Like I think some of the things that get said about Dak obviously are silly and and you know whatever. But like he like he had every bit of control in his hand. Like I mean like this was on him. And I, so it's hard to defend him right now. And I'll get to the particulars of that in a moment. But I did want to reference this. Um, you'll enjoy it. Bob Sturm, the incredible Bob Sturm of the ticket in Dallas. Um, has a sub stack and everybody should subscribe to it. But this is from that. He tweeted it out on Tuesday. This is, I'm reading it verbatim. This is also the fourth playoff game, talking about Dak, in his last five starts where he has failed to have even 90 yards passing in the first mm. half. Um, against the Rams in 2018, he was 8 of 13 for 87 yards. They were down 20 to 7. This is all at halftime, obviously. Mm-hmm. Against the Niners uh, the first time in 2021 in the wild card round, 9 of 16, 89 yards. They were down 16 to 7. 
last year in the division around 12 of 16, 81 yards and two picks. They were down nine to six at the half. That, people forget that. Like that game feels like a bigger blowout in hindsight. But um, and then Sunday, he was 13 of 21 for 87 yards and two interceptions. Obviously, one of them yeah, was the and, pick and the six. pick six like ended the right. game. I thought the Cowboys were, were going to come back. I actually put a bet on them on the money line. Like, they're going to come back. Oh, they, they were going to like apart. make it a game. You know, they were going to they were going to make it fun and interesting. You know, and at the very least, when was it was it. 20. That minutes. was the game. No, I mean, and that was that was when like that was the straw that broke the camel's back. And again, I mean, I. I think there's a lot of reason to believe in Dak, but like, how can you, how can you fight this? Like, you know, and it all makes the regular season feel insignificant for the Cowboys. Cause it's like, how can you, I tweeted this out and a lot of people agreed with it, but like, how can you trust them? Like, how, how can you trust like anything they accomplish in the regular season ever? Because like, they can literally have one of the best regular seasons of all time. And I'm, I'm not putting 2023 there for them, but I mean, you get my point. And they just pissed it all away. And they're, they're stuck with Dak. I mean, like whether you think not you Brandon, but like, you think he's the answer or not. And I keep saying this because I'm going to have to say it a million times over the offseason. He has a $60 million cap hit in 2023 mm-hmm. in an offseason where they're going to have to pay CeeDee Lamb and they're going to have to pay Micah Parsons on top of whatever else they want to do. If they want to keep Tyron Smith, bring him back or Stefan Gilmore, or I don't know, sign an external free agent. Um, he has a no trade clause. So you can't eat people like get rid of him, trade him, whatever, blah, blah, <laughs> Can't even. And then some people say, well, suck it up. Just like deal with it and whatever. He has a no tag clause in 2025. So even mm-hmm. if you do all that, you risk letting him walk for nothing. And I think even you would admit that like somebody would pay him in 2025. Oh, yeah. And, and and then, you know, people say like, oh, well, just go with Trey Lance. Trey Lance's fifth year option <laughs> has to not be picked up. I know, even if it was, but it's not. But, you know, his fifth year option has to be picked up this offseason. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about like I'm rounding here, but like approximately devoting eighty five million dollars in salary cap space to have Trey Lance around for the future. Like it's not tenable. The sixty million dollars isn't tenable. I, you can set your watch by it. He is going to become the highest paid player in NFL history at some point this offseason. It's inevitable. I mean, just again, these are the facts. Yeah, it's the situation. It's not ideal. It's not an ideal situation. It's it's arguably, it's not quite the worst case scenario. The worst case scenario is, you know, you don't have a, any kind of franchise quarterback and no hopes of getting one. But to be in a spot where he plays well enough to, you know, be in MVP conversation and then justify that kind of contract and, and be in that kind of status, but then do nothing in the playoffs. Like that's a tough spot to be in. And as I know you pointed out on Monday football Monday too, you also have to pay CD. You also have to pay Micah Parsons here. Like these are, these are big decisions. Tyler Biotish, unlike CD and Mike, excuse me, Tyler Biotish, their center now, maybe the best center in the NFC East. No, no spoiler alerts or anything, but I mean, he's a free agent. Like, so you literally have to pay him if, or else watch him walk or else, and then find a new center. I mean, it's, I mean, they're at a point of reckoning, and mm. I'm I'm a big Mike. I was talking to stats about this, and I, you will, I think, support me on this. People asked me all off season for the last six months, of the last year, do you fire Mike McCarthy if they don't reach the NFC Championship game? And I always said probably not, but like, how do they miss? It? Like, do they miss it because of a weird call or a botched field goal or some kind of weird you know accident mm-hmm. that isn't his fault, or do they get smoked? And like, this is in the like handful of possibilities. That, that existed within, you know, context that you have to ask that question. And I think he's a good coach and I think he's been really good for them. And I think he's accomplished a lot of things, but like you simply can. And I think this is going to be a theme of the episode. You cannot run this back and you can't get rid of Dak for the reasons that we just outlined. You're not getting rid of the GM. Will McClay's returning. So like the only thing that you can change and adjust because Dan Quinn's probably going to take a head coaching job and nobody's going to be mad about that. But like the only thing you can change is Mike McCarthy, but I don't even know what I want. Like, I don't like, do I, feel you don't, like you don't want Bill Belichick. I mean, like, I'm at a place where 
why not? I mean, like they've tried so many different things or, you know what I mean? Like, why not? Like what, what could, how could this be worse? You know what I mean? Right. Like may, maybe you do catch lightning in a bottle. Like, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, and so like, screw it at this point, like go Jim Harbaugh. Like I'm not like turning anything down. I, I don't think some things are as logical as I think other things are, but like they have no, like the, the benefit of doubt of the doubt for their decision-making is completely gone. Yeah, I'm kind of torn on how I feel about my reaction if the Cowboys hired Bill Belichick. I've been pretty consistent after, you know, post Brady in that like I've I've not been I was never in on I I know some people were. I think you were. I'm not trying to slander you here, but I'm saying that you and Stats or whoever I think I remember talking on the SB Nation NFL show, kind of like buying the post Brady Patriots a little bit, oh. being like they signed Hunter Henry and they're and gonna do twelve personnel. Yeah, like I was uh, all and in I actually on that. Yeah. You know, thought Mac Jones was gonna be decent. So I'm I've been wrong here too. I didn't think he was gonna be amazing, but I thought he could be something like of a Kirk Cousins level, and clearly that hasn't borne out. So I was pretty of the mind that Belichick uh don't really have much interest in him post brady that being said especially looking at how andy reed went from you know philly to kansas city i do think it's fair to wonder if it changes scenery could kind of do him good and obviously having a quarterback in place that isn't mac jones or or nothing settled is a big game changer in a big way so um, i'm kind of conflicted on how i feel i think it's possible the game has passed him by and it's just you know he's he was obviously a great coach but uh the time is kind of just not up for him and it's just it's it's it might just be a young man's game now and maybe the I, cowboys would be best served hiring i don't know that they would you know get him or whatever or make this move for them and if they would see that as a lateral kind of move and or not worth moving on Mike McCarthy for, but like Ben Johnson or whoever, or Bobby Slowick, your boy, I don't, the, the, I, the Texas is true football team, the Houston Texans. I don't think you can do that just because like the house is on such fire that you need, you know, like I'm not trying to like, I know, agree. I'm not trying to be like an ageist against, you know, Bobby Slowick or Ben Johnson, but like they're too young and they're too raw, like you relatively. Need credibility that's what I'm saying. Like, you, you need somebody who can come in and be the man. And they can't do that yet. Like, they certainly obviously have the potential. But, like, I, I will say this, and I think we, maybe you and I both, and maybe, like, everybody listening on either side of the coin here probably feels the same. Like, I'm conflicted on whether or not I want Bill Belichick to be the coach of the Cowboys if they move on from Mike McCarthy. But I definitely start to feel panic if he's the head coach of the Eagles. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I definitely become worried that, like, hmm. like oh, no, like, the, the, my worst fears will be realized. And, like, he'll be amazing and he'll resuscitate greatness and, like, blah, 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 blah. So, like, that's what makes this kind of an interesting offseason in the middle of all the crap for the NFC East, aka the NFC East. Yeah, it's uh, tough times. Um, uh, I, I will say here on, you mentioned Tyler Biotis earlier. Uh, you know, you could speak to this better than I could. But when I look at the Cowboys free agent list, there's like there's a lot of names here who played snaps this season, at the very least. Maybe the Cowboys have backup plans. Maybe they're not incredibly vital, but I'm looking at Tony Pollard, Tyron Smith. Stephon Gilmore, Tyler Biotis, Dorrance Armstrong, Jaron Kirsch, Jordan Lewis, Jonathan Hankins, Neville Gallimore, uh, and so on and so forth. It's not like, oh, no, anyone irreplaceable, but big decisions to make amongst the contract talks we had about already with Dak and CD and, and Micah going on. And then in addition, I just I could not, you know, not point this out. Uh, Cowboys have no fourth round pick and no fifth round pick until the compensatory range Cowboys own just three of the top 170 picks. The Eagles will make six picks before the Cowboys make their fourth pick. So, boom. Yeah. Good thing they Suck traded it. for Trey Lance. That fourth round pick was. It doesn't matter. The Cowboys will, like, find, like, an all pro something <laughs> at the seventh round pick like they usually do. But they'll, they'll miss on their second round pick because that's yes, correct. who they are. Correct. Um, 
anyway, um, I think we've buried the Cowboys enough as far as what happened on Sunday. Let's move to Monday, and then we can kind of get to long-term potential ramifications. Um, it ended. Um, I read your recap at Bleeding Green Nation. Um, somewhat <sighs> mercifully. mercifully. Yeah, was the word you used. 32 to 9, the final score. So the Eagles technically were embarrassed worse than the Cowboys. Um, I'm glad it's over. I really am. I mean, I don't know. It was probably representative of like, I know I say the season, but the collapse, like there was so much quit. I mean, just, you know, all over the place, especially from the Eagles defense. Um, Just no fight, no heart. I mean, like whatever other things you want to say, I don't think anybody's disagreeing with this. I mean, truly one of the most failure of a collapses in NFL history, certainly among teams that were 10 and one. The season was over after the Cardinals game. That was pretty clear to me. Uh, it should have felt clear to everyone else. You can't blow that and then like bounce back from that. It just doesn't just doesn't work that way. And I took the Eagles to win this game, as you know. Now, I did say every time I did pick them, it's well, not you were I, you were a coward about it. That's just well, I said just I have no belief in them. I made that very clear. I just said that I think the Bucks potentially could be worse, and that wasn't actually I think totally off base. And that the Bucks kept the Eagles in this game. This should not have been as competitive as a game. The Bucks had something like six drops. They're making Todd Bowles was being conservative early in the game. The, the Bucks were keeping the Eagles around, and really, it's, I think it, it was kind of like officially over once Jalen Hurts took that safety, can't take a safety there, terrible. And obviously, Jalen Hurts is part of this, but it has to start with Nick Sirianni. It has to, and the coaching staff. They're just, it's not a well-coached team. You see it. And if these players wanted to save Nick Sirianni and go all out and fight for him, do you, do you think they did that? When Jalen Hurts was asked about Nick Sirianni, oh, I don't know if you saw this. This is also a this is a lame move from Jalen Hurts, to be clear. Like what he said is funny, but it's a lame move from somebody who's supposed to be the face of your franchise, especially when you parse it with what Dak Prescott said about Mike McCarthy after the Cowboys lost. I think there's so there's been there was an article by um, Jeff McLean of the Inquirer uh, on Monday that kind of came out, and there was some sources in there questioning Jalen Hurts' leadership, and that was actually a theme he touched on previously when there was quote some internal concern end quote about Jalen Hurts, uh, his leadership style. And, you know, a lot of people have been like, well, that's overblown because he's been always been such a great leader to this point. And I get where people say that at the, sa- the same time. You know, I, I don't think we've seen adversity like this before. And how you respond in that circumstance is really important. And it's not that I think Jalen Hurts has no leadership abilities. This is a guy who, as I pointed out, is 25 years old. He's the same exact age, born on the same day as Tommy DeVito. Still young, I want to give him some grace there. But at the same time, I think it's fair to say, yes, he can be better. Why did Jalen Hurts not take the fall for when uh, he changed oh, the, the Seattle play? Lost. Yeah, why Why did A.J. Brown have to say that at his locker right, weeks later? Why point. didn't A.J. Uh, – Jalen Hurts after the game could have been like, hey, that was on me. Because, like, who cares? If Jalen Hurts says that, everyone would have been, like, frustrated at him in the moment, but then it would just blow by. It would be like, okay – didn't he even correct me if I'm wrong upon being asked about AJ taking the fall uh, or blaming themselves, whatever. Uh, didn't Jalen say like, there's a lot of stuff you don't know. Like, you know right, what I mean? He exactly. like, he like further like instigated the situation. Exactly. But um, certainly I think what he doesn't say is very telling. And that was very much true in the case of Nick Sirianni when he's asked about his job security and was like, Oh, I wasn't aware of that. Come on, man. Of course you are. 
And for him not to say, like, yeah, I do want him back. For him to be asked, do you believe in Nick Sirianni? He says, I believe in everyone in that building. Well, that tells you all you need to know. So, um, yeah, I definitely, you know, I I don't want to leave Jalen Hurts out of this because I think he is obviously part of the problem here. That being said, that's not where you start. (laughs) You're you're not because you can't, number one, because you're locked into him contractually. But number two, also because, again, he's young. I think he is redeemable still and can grow and can learn and can be better um i i would like to at the very least i would like to see the coaching improve and then if the same issues persist then i will absolutely be on the bandwagon that he is not the guy but i would absolutely need to start with the coaching they've been poorly coached i don't want to hear how they made the playoffs three straight years that is absolute garbage to me of a reason to keep nick sirianni they got waxed they were down 31-0 to the bucks in the wild card round in his first season they obviously did well to go to the Super Bowl and almost win, although a big reason why they lost that game isn't just Jonathan Gannon. It's because Nick Sirianni did what we just saw even last night with his job potentially oh, on the was, line. This was a horrible thing. And then your tweet about his his follow-up, but go ahead. He Well, early in the game, when it's clear the Bucks have that first drive and it's like and the Eagles' defense looks as lifeless and hopeless as it's ever been recently, he decides to punt for it for, uh, on fourth and two, I think, from the 44, 40 yard line, 40 Eagles own 44 yard line. Um, like, why not just tush push there twice? Instead, punts after the game says, actually, it was fourth and three. He's done that a lot this year, where it's like, actually, it was a, it was a long one, or actually, it was fourth and two instead of fourth and one. So, miss me with that. And then late, late in the game, when they're down two scores, I think they're down 16 at this point, kicks a field goal. Uh, the Bucks bail them out because they have an offside penalty and the Eagles go for it in fourth and five. They don't get it. But why are you kicking a field goal to make a two-score game a two-score game still? Like, it's just so pathetic, dude. It's it's loser stuff. He doesn't give this team an edge. I'm I'm so done. I'm so done with Nick Sirianni. Um, so first of all, I, I have a lot on Nick, but I, I do think Jalen is skating by a little bit because the coaching's been so bad. Everybody hates Brian Johnson. You talk about this phenomenon a lot. Like people don't hate the person whose jersey they own. Mm-hmm. Um so I mean like re- like and I'm not comparing the two situations but like relative to Dak, you know what I mean? Like Jalen has been awful. Like yeah, I mean he's been aw- he's been a turnover machine this year. Like he wasn't just bad in this game. He's like, been awful this year. He's been That's... awful. And dude the sack he took in this game been or the, awful this the, year. That's the... it's more you to parse it more through that. He's been okay. awful at times. He he's been awful for the most important moments of the season. And he blew a 10 and 1 record along with everybody else. But the uh, not the sack, the intentional grounding, what should have been the sack. I mean like what a horrible decision. And like that has happened to him several times. We've talked about the slip he had against San Francisco, obviously. Like, there are some key, like, basic football, you can't do that stuff that he tends to do. And again, my opinion from, you know, this vantage point is that I think he's probably a lot lower on people's hit list relative to the Eagles. And again, I understand why everybody's mad at the coaching staff, but I don't think it's fair to just be like, oh, well, Jalen will be the 2022 Jalen once they get better coaches. Like, I think that that's a convenient lie that people are telling to themselves. But no, um, it's a big year for him next year. It'll be a very big season for him to prove that. I'm not just merely assuming that. I am hopeful because I've seen him play at a high level in the biggest But the majority of his career has been a low level. Like, I mean, at this point, like, that is the significant outlier of his career. Again, you're talking about a player that was very young and is still who, developing potentially and can get better Dak, Dak, Prescott's not peak. Dak Prescott had a year oh, this we're year talking about any Jalen other Hurts, year he had like again we're talking about like for Jalen Hurts a significant outlier not just in his NFL career but like mostly like his professional it, needs, okay his, sure but he needs to prove it and he, he absolutely deserves to he 
based on what he has done, I believe does get the chance to deserve what he can do moving forward. Unlike Nick Sirianni. I think he, and, again, I'm not saying he should be higher than Nick Sirianni on the, the hit list, but I mean, again, I just think he's not catching as much flack as somebody else. In his I situation. think that's fair, but I, you know, again, it's just not the place to start with everything. He should be absolutely be part of the considered part of the problem for the time being. I do want to mention in defense of him, he was under pressure in under 2.5 seconds, that is identified as quick pressure by NFL Next Gen Stats, 13 times against the Buccaneers' defense. That is tying a career high. The Buccaneers but, generated 10 unblocked pressures, tied for the most in a game by any NFL defense in the entire 2023 season. That not is act- poor coaching. That is absolutely not, poor I agree coaching. With Multiple things can be true. I'm not acting like he's... Did you see the screenshot oh. where... It's yeah, like he's getting the, blitzed, and there's literally just no one in the middle of the field. No, but that's, like, but that's, that's a, a meme. Thing, like, at the same time, it's been true. <laughs> it's a thing now. Like, it's like he can't beat this. Like, he, he has a very clear kryptonite, and whether that's his coaching staff weighing him down, obviously, is something that remains to be seen. If the Eagles do move well, on I from mean, Sirianni, and Co- help him out. <laughs> they're not, I, well, I know. No I want to get say to, they're helping him. I want to get to all this, but I want to read a tweet really quickly uh, from John Clark. This was before the game. I'm told the main message from Nick Sirianni in last night's Eagles team meeting was just like his message all week long. Get back to being a physical and violent team. Okay. I'm told in the team hotel, when the Cowboys got blown out, the Eagles were hyped and it lit a fire in them. Like <laughs> this team to me, and this stems from Sirianni. True. This, this team and this stems from Sirianni to me, so badly wants to be like an NFL films highlight. Like so badly wants to be legendary. Mm-hmm. And came very, very, very close to it. I mean, like as close as you can possibly come. And they have been chasing that high like this entire season. Sirianni has specifically, Sirianni has made his own bet. Like, I mean, everybody except for Eagles fans has been out for this dude from, I would say, basically the jump. And now, I mean, he has nobody to blame for himself. And like we talk about proving narratives right. Nick Sirianni had all season long to save the Eagles. I mean, he built a team that had a 10 and one record. And then when it came down to like, Hey, you got to do something yourself. It was like, Oh man, dude, Shane Steichen and Jonathan Gannon carried you like this dude absolutely fell apart. And the team fell in line behind. I think the talent is really ultimately what carried him. And I say that as someone who has been a long time skeptic and critic of Howie Roseman, but I really think that's what this has been about. I think, you know, they got to where they did. They won as much as they did this year, in part because the talent was just great and very good. And that actually still leaves me optimistic about this team's outlook moving forward. I still think that they obviously have work to do, especially on defense. I'm not saying the roster is flawless. Um, and Howie Roseman needs to be better. He didn't, he's part of the problem too. Again, not the problem at this stage. So I think if you have a good offseason, that's on the table. I've seen how we do that before, and you can push the right buttons coaching-wise, then I think. This is very much a division that could see another repeat winner as it usually does each year. So, um, yeah, I I, I think uh, the talent is somewhat there uh, for them to work with moving forward. And I think the talent was there for Sirianni, and I think he got less out of more. And that's not what coaching is about. You need to get more out of less. He does not provide an edge. He doesn't help the team in any way, shape, or form. And, again, as I've been talking about for months now, all he did was put a target on their back by, you know, pounding his chest and writing checks for all of them to cash. And it caught up to them. And they, like I said, they had they won the Super Bowl last year, he would have been maybe the most annoying person in my NFL fandom for like the future of time. Like, because he would have had every right to be. You know what I mean? But he fell apart.
Well, um, they didn't win it in no small part because of him. um, Okay, so throw us to break, Brayden. Throw throw us, but like a good throw. Ready. That was so gross. Looked like Jalen Hurts through that. Welcome back. Uh, BLG. The New York football giants are looking for... Are we really going to do this? Are we going to talk about them? Defensive coordinator. I don't like, I don't think we have to spend too much time on this. That's all. all. Well, there's also the weird report that Brian Dable's like a jerk and screams at them. I mean, wow. Is that a weird report or is that? I'm not, I'm not trying to minimize it. He's throwing the tablet at Daniel Jones. Um, The commanders have a new general manager. Do you want to touch on this at all? I mean, one quick thing on the Giants before the commanders is that I think it's funny that the Giants have been uh, requesting interviews for special teams coordinators that are already special teams coordinators around the league, and they've been denied three times. It's like maybe you can't just take another team's special teams coordinator. Uh, on the commanders, yeah, the Adam Peters tweet very bizarre that he is already somehow one of the best in the biz, even though I, I what has he done? I do not know. I certainly think it's a worthwhile hire by the commanders is this the first episode we've done since they hired him yeah okay like, like yeah. formally like they've, they've formally announced it and everything and it does kind of seem like ben johnson like is the favorite to become their head coach obviously the lions are still involved that would suck yeah. a lot i mean like that would, i would be worried sure yeah absolutely agree totally i mean he could i was joking with you not someone's joking we we're discussing off air uh who's the nfc east all-star head coach this year well, going into this season and you know certainly we'll need to see what happens with mccarthy and sirianni but like isn't there a situation where i don't know those guys are let's say they're both back and the commanders hired ben johnson are we really putting them over ben johnson i mean the upside I mean, obviously isn't proven it as a head coach but the upside there if if mccarthy and sirianni are back first of all i don't know that you and i have the emotional energy to continue doing the mixtape but um <laughs> But I mean, I think it's probably McCarthy. He has the most recent division title. Yeah, he has the like, most division titles. I mean, yeah. I mean, like you don't feel I'm, good about it. <laughs> no, I don't feel good about it at all. Well, so okay. Like again, I don't mean to disrespect purposefully the Giants and Commanders, but like this, the like everything kind of hinges on the Cowboys and Eagles right now. Like a lot of the NFL does. I mean, so like my my like this is my main question is, pick one that is the most likely. Both Mike McCarthy and Nick Sirianni are out. Only Mike McCarthy is out. Only Nick Sirianni is out. Neither are out. Of those four options, what do you think is the most uh, most likely? I think the most unlikely is they're both back. I, think we can agree I agree with on that. that. Um, the most likely. Or who is... do you think? Okay, let's let's kind of go in ascending order. I know that's what we're yeah, going to like, try to who, rank them. Who, who's more likely to be gone, McCarthy or Sirianni? I think it's McCarthy personally. Ooh, I disagree. I think it's Sirianni. But I mean, Sirianni does have the like. Again, I've been a playoff team three years in a row. We were it ten and one. I know it does, but like he ha- he has that. I mean, they both well, has what? Playoff. What did they do? Like, what are you going to do? Hang a banner for getting blown out by the Bucks in the playoff two out of three years? That's an accomplishment. Why is that an accomplishment? People talk about that like that's an accomplishment. It's not an accomplishment to get I mean, blown out by the Buccaneers. Um. So. I think you're being unfair in the sense of the the first Buccaneers loss was not to the Baker Mayfield Bucks. Like, let's be clear, like that they were still they were the defending world champion Bucks at that point in time. Like they, that was a really good Bucks team. 
that they that they got I think smoked. Eagles by. were only like three point underdogs in that game. Like they were not huge. They were rolling at that point. They were not they huge were, dogs. They were underdogs. much better than like if you want to come at them for Monday's loss by all means. But like my point is like it the first loss is nowhere near as embarrassing. The Bucks were better, awesome. but you still went down thirty one to zero. Like again, you were never competitive. You didn't even make it a game early on. And it did nothing. I guess like. The thing that is a further support of your argument, I think, is you only made the playoffs as the seven seed in the first exactly. year of it being the seven of that of it being right. in existence. So that's a better argument, not the like you got smoked by the Bucks then. Um, but again, I I mean he's been to a Super Bowl with with his team where Mike McCarthy hasn't with the Cowboys at least. And and again, I think why Mike McCarthy is also more likely is Mike McCarthy is now one and three in playoff games as the Cowboys head coach. And he's been to the divisional round once before. Yes, that's true. But you could also make an argument. I don't think this is fair, but like we're at a point where like some unfair things are going to get said and you don't have a way to refute them. Your one playoff win was against a below 500 bucks team. Like shout out right. to the bucks for being such a common denominator and all this. So like, okay, cool. Yeah. They had Tom Brady at quarterback, but they were below 500 and yeah, you mm-hmm. smoked him. But like, you know, you, you can really make this look worse without moving a lot of goalposts. And so beyond all of that, like, cool. Even if you had beaten an amazing team, You've been to the division around once, and but Jason Garrett got to the division around. He got there twice, and no, he got there three times. Excuse me, he got mm-hmm. to the uh, uh, yeah, he got there three different times. Jason Garrett. So like, you were supposed to be the difference. Like you were supposed to be the guy that got through that barrier, and you haven't yet. So that's why I'm saying like, because again, I'm not saying teams are loftier or whatever, but like because that was the expectation, and he has failed to do that. One playoff win in three years. Forget the divisional round stuff. I mean, I think Mike McCarthy is more likely in that sense. I was listening to and. NFC East mixtape episode, the preview show for that Eagles Bucks game and that, um, what was it, Cowboys 49ers game in the wild card round that year. Oh, two uh, years in ago. part because, yes, two years ago, because I remember we had said something about we obviously are going to make the NFC East final standings the division order for the, or for the podcast in which we go in, but we did say something, we added a corollary to that, like, if oh, one like team, if one team advances beyond like if the, Eagles, the round. Yeah, that makes sense. Like if the Eagles which, in that in that case had won their playoff game, even though they didn't win the division, maybe they earned the right to go first in the offseason. I was gonna propose we do we split if the Eagles had won the wild card game. Like we split like we split the order for throughout the season. Obviously, uh if a team like imagine like a team winning the division, but then uh they're the other team winning the Super Bowl, which I guess is what happened to the Giants in the past. Like you're when obviously not gonna talk about Huh? The, the Cowboys won it the first time, right. but the Giants like did the, win. The, that's they did. Literally I'm just saying, the most hollow <laughs> division championship you could possibly well, they, have. They did win it in 2011, and also Mike McCarthy's Packers were a wild card team. Um, the Bears, mm-hmm. which Jay Cutler won the NFC North that year. So. so, in that circumstance, I got in the weeds there about the podcast uh, workings. But in, in any case, yeah, I, I was listening to that podcast, and you said <laughs> in in that podcast, you know, they hired Mike McCarthy to get beyond the divisional round and they're not even getting to the divisional round here so and that again that was two years ago and that was so the Cowboys have lost their last two home playoff games obviously the only two home ones that Mike McCarthy's been the head coach over and and this isn't really their fault but in those both of those instances this year included obviously they were the only home team to lose across the entire wild card absolutely relevant it's not like, like oh a weird uh Weird no, stat. No, it's it shows no, you you should win. You're, so, like, we're talking about the 2021 wild card, super wild card round, excuse me, and 2023 super wild card round. So, combined, those are 12 games, two of which belong to the Cowboys. So, you're talking right. about the only two losses of those 12 games were by you. 
and they, they were not against the same team or even a division rival that you can make an argument like knows you, you know what I mean? Like whatever. They, and again, granted, they were against very good coaches and Kyle Shanahan and Matt LaFleur and talented quarterbacks and Jimmy Garoppolo and Jordan Love in different ways. Um, like, no, I mean, that's why I'm saying. I do think Mike McCarthy is more likely. And you would build up a home field advantage, like credibly. It's not like this is the Chargers who don't actually have, you know, it's not a team that doesn't actually have a true home right. fan base and the stadium gets taken over by other fans, although that has happened to the Cowboys in the past with the 49ers or something like that. But that's not the case here. So, yeah, it's just, it's unacceptable. There's really, again, that's that's what it comes down to for the Cowboys so you, end of it. It's, so do you agree, no Mike? Excuse. Do you think McCarthy's more likely then? Maybe you want Sirianni fired, but I like. I don't because. Well, you know, you know Jerry Jones better than I do. That's the reality. But my thing is that maybe the Cowboys can just talk themselves into they've had because if you want to, you're trying to play devil's advocate with the Sirianni and Super Bowl thing. Cowboys have what like the third most wins in the past three years. Second. So maybe they're like, hey, we we like our chances. We're going to get back again. We think we can be a really successful regular season team, and we'll be back here and we'll get better luck next time. I don't. Maybe they talk themselves into that, and maybe so, I don't. And also, does I'm Belichick want to go to Dallas? Because I don't know. I Again, I don't know Jerry Jones as well as you do. I don't know the relationship that Jerry Jones has with Bill Belichick. I saw something that it's good. But, okay, it just doesn't seem naturally to blend to me that Belichick wants to be with an owner who goes out and talks to the media nonstop. Like, I, don't, that don't, I don't see that as a natural fit. It's so funny to me that we're both using, like, all these things that are technically <laughs> in support uh, yeah in support of the other team is like no no keep your bad head coach like no 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 like you gotta well, do it look should i'm saying i think they will that's what i'm saying like we're both trying to manifest it because like we talk about or you bring up all the time about like how would your opponent feel like i'd be pumped if the eagles kept nick sirianni you would be pumped if the cowboys kept mike mccarthy um so maybe the most likely thing is that they're both gone so let's let's live in that reality, like for either one, either situation. And this could get dated very quickly, which would really suck for content sake. But presuming it doesn't, presuming by launch time on Wednesday, both Sirianni and McCarthy are still in place. If they're both or each or whoever is dismissed, who do you want to be the next Philadelphia Eagles coach? Call your shot right now. Yeah, that's a good question. I know. Um, I ask it. It's tough because I think the problem with seeing someone like a Ben, a ben Johnson, sure. I don't think they're going to be able to get him uh, to, I don't know if that's the right kind of hire for where the Eagles are. This isn't the situation the Eagles were in in 2020. This is different. This isn't like, Hey, you're resetting. You're getting a new head coach. I think this is about looking at the roster. You're ready to win. You have a quarterback in place. The other, these other, when the Eagles are making, you know, coaching hire in 2016 in 20 uh, with Nick Sirianni, they didn't have like a definitive quarterback in place. They have that now. Obviously, you can debate how good Jalen Hurts is, but he's undeniably this team's answer for at least 2024. So I think it just, I, I wonder, on one hand, Jeffrey Lurie loves offensive innovation. He has to be jealous looking at, you know, Bobby Slowick and Ben Johnson seeing that and wanting that. At the same time, it just feels like maybe you go for a retread. Maybe you go someone who's kind of proven it at some level before and feel like you can hit the ground running with this guy. There aren't going to be growing pains. You're just going to instantly succeed. So, and also, yeah, I think the Belichick thing is absolutely in play considering that Jeffrey Lurie wanted to hire Josh McDaniels before he hired Nick Sirianni, or at least there was like consideration that Josh McDaniels was going to be the guy. He hired Matt Patricia or at least oversaw a coaching staff that someone hired Matt Patricia. He brought him in the building. Jeffrey Lurie's from Boston. 
he is actually close personal friends with Robert Kraft. That's who he lost out on bidding with, I think, to Dubai, the New England Patriots. So there's a connection there. There's a relationship there. Um, I, I could I could see that. I could see Jeffrey Lurie. And also, again, what I talked about with the Andy Reid thing earlier, I think Jeffrey Lurie could sell himself on this is going to be like Andy going to KC. Like he just all Bill needs is a fresh start here and we can get this thing going fast. So I do think that's in play. Um, what do I prefer? <sighs> I, I, it's so tough. Cause I think I just, I think Mike Rabel's a really good coach, but I don't think he's going to come here. I don't think it's a fit. Um, and I don't love a defensive coach with the, the idea that the offensive coordinator could leave. And then you're having a lot of the same issues that the Eagles have had with their offensive coordinators leaving. Uh, so I guess at the end of the day, I kind of, just screw it. Give me like Ben Johnson. Give me Bobby Slow. Give me the guy who could be like, uh, hopefully a less cowardly version of Sean McVay or Kyle Shanahan. Um, I guess we're on opposite ends of kind of, I don't want to say the spectrum, but like wants, wishes, or hopes. I mean, cause I can't tell you like how, what you want is wrong. I think what I want at this point is like, I mean, why not? Like, I like for me, like Bill Belichick is like one a, cause like, I mean, it's easy to like talk yourself into that, right? Like I'm, I'm I'm in like Coke Town, you know what I mean? Like I need I need anything. Like and if and if you can't do it with Bill Belichick, like then then you know like you really are cursed. You know what I'm saying? You you did say the Cowboys don't deserve to be in the NFL team. Yeah, I mean I said that a lot. It's like a, a thing of mine. But um, so like Bill is like one A for me, and I would say Jim Harbaugh is like one B because at this point again it's like, yep. dude, we talked about this like the other day. Like, dude is one everywhere. Like I mean, and Mike McCarthy's won a lot to be clear. But like you like I want someone with some like some attitude. It's like you got to have somebody who, who like commands the room at this point in time. And I don't know that Belichick or, or Harbaugh commanded in like a charming way, but they certainly commanded in like a respect way. And so, again, if, if it can't happen with him, then, you know, it's you like you're the problem. So I would say uh, a close, you know, like Harbaugh's a, like just a, a little bit behind Belichick for me in terms of preferences. Mm. There's a, a, a teeny bit bigger gap, but a bigger gap nonetheless before Mike Vrabel. He's my third option. Again, I, I want some, like, attitude. I want some, like, rough and tough. I want a badass, you know what I mean, like, to, to come in and ruffle some feathers. So um, I'm not saying Ben Johnson or Bobby Slowick aren't that, but, like, I want somebody who's – I want I want someone who's going to scare people. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of being soft and frauds. Like, it's frustrating. I think I would be most concerned about Harbaugh. I like Harbaugh a lot. I think I, I, there's definitely volatility there. There's definitely like yeah. blow up potential clearly with him. And not even just because like instant blow up, you're going to go, oh, in 17. I'm not saying that. I'm saying you, you're probably going to have success, but it could just easily be like two years, three years, and then done. Like he's just done or he's it'd be, flaming it'd out. Be worth it. If he comes in and wins the Super Bowl, like I'm cool for a little while. Yeah, you I'm not saying I mean? it's like, not worth it. I'm just saying like I, I'm worried against that because, you know, in a perfect world, you're not making a head coach for that kind of or higher for that kind of reason in 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 theory you're shooting for having like the next andy reed or the next mike tomlin or whatever you're, you're right. shooting you're aspiring to that to have that guy who's there for a long time so i think i'd be most concerned about harbaugh i think he kind of I, maybe i'm wrong maybe you're gonna call me out on it i feel like his 49ers tenure was underrated somehow i feel like he doesn't get oh, enough no. credit i completely agree he with was that. really like, good dude i mean he like I don't know that anybody looks at Jim and says, like, he's an offensive innovator. You know what I mean? Like, the way that, mm -hmm. like, some people get the label. But, like, he, like nobody liked Alex Smith. Alex Smith was horrible. Like, Alex Smith was one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. Like, one of the all-time biggest draft busts. Jim Harbaugh shows up elite. Mm -hmm. 
and I something I don't think he gets enough credit for is the decision to go to Colin Kaepernick when he did midway through the 2012 season. Like yeah. he said, oh, this dude, Alex Smith, it took it. Because at the time, it's it's like, by the way, the Niners Super Bowl drought is longer than the Cowboys. Like, again, doesn't get said enough. For now. But, uh, but it's true. But um, at the time, you're talking the 2012 season. It had been, what, 18 years since the Niners. Last, it's And obviously, it's been longer now. But like, you know, they were coming off of an NFC championship game appearance in 2012 and that they, you know, granted lost, you know, which was super stupid. I mean, again, mm. Giants were so lucky. But anyway, um, like the the audacity to bench Alex Smith, you know what I mean? And then and, and he wasn't just proven right. Like he was proven extraordinarily right. Like Colin Kaepernick mm -hmm. was a monster and like changed the NFL. And like he managed all that. Like, I mean, I completely agree with you. I mean, he went to back to back to back NFC championship games. And the only two times he lost, the, the first time was a little bit fluky, obviously, against the Giants. But they did win the Super Bowl. And the other time he lost was literally against one of the greatest defenses to ever be assembled uh, that happened to go destroy one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game in Peyton Manning. So, yeah, I'm totally with you. Uh, and then I would so I put Harbaugh in, in terms of what I wouldn't want to see for the Cowboys. Uh, Harbaugh huh. one, Vrabel two. I like Vrabel a lot. And then I would guess I would go Belichick three. See, I guess we are kind of – it makes sense that you would want the the young offensive hot shots because not, Ben Johnson is my number one fear. Because, like, what I'm afraid of is that, like, they're going to get whatever Shane Steichen had going on back. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the offense is going to return to, like, stupid perennial monster force level. Mm -hmm. um, so Ben Johnson, Bobby Slowick are probably one and two. Um, I don't know who would be three in that capacity. I mean, there's not real, you know, juice behind, like, a third offensive name. Um, but – I mean, if either one of those happened, I'd be bummed. Just at least. I'm. I got distracted here when you were talking earlier because I I've been trying to check Twitter because <laughs> really, we need enough. to. Yeah. Uh, this time, especially waking up to see news that Jason Kelsey retired. I guess we should probably talk about that. But I saw the Philadelphia Phillies. I'm wearing a Phillies hat for the audio listeners. They had a prospect that they could have signed, and they didn't sign them. I'm not really seeing the full context of what this is all about, but. This prospect's name was Iverson Allen. That's awesome. Um, okay, the Jason Kelsey thing. I don't have that a lot to real. say. One of my worst takes ever was a uh, long time ago, one of atoned for that he wasn't a Hall of Famer. Dude's amazing. I mean, and he's a... You said I, he was overrated. He was well, the most overrated player from a couple of years ago on the NFC East, all overrated. I do think selections. that would be correct now because... His <laughs> was correct? He's a Hall no, of Famer. Because, no, like they're the Kelsey brand has just skyrocketed. You know okay. what I'm saying? He's, like, that's all I'm saying. Um, he's overrated. You could be um, oversaturated maybe. Yeah. Um, but there are, I don't know that I could even count to five Eagles that I greatly respect. And Jason Kelsey is probably number one on that list. Like did it the right way. Super likable, really funny. Yeah. And had the sports career that I think anybody would dream of where you deliver the first world championship to like an incredibly rabid starving sports obsessed city um you know he's the proverbial never has to buy a drink in that town type of type of dude like you know i don't mean screw nick falls but like bill jason kelsey's statue you know what i mean like that's the kind of dude who deserves one. uh jason kelsey's speech his super bowl parade speech on the art steps philadelphia museum of art uh, the steps there that makes me cry when i watch that like that is because it's just Every I think knows that feeling in life at some level of just kind of just being that person who was counted out or just or even like just doubting yourself, like just never feeling like you're ever gonna like break through, you're never gonna do this thing. 
and you know because that's how it felt like i'm getting like emotional welling up thinking about this um because i legit i legitimately fundamentally believed as maybe as silly as it was clearly now in hindsight that the Eagles were never going to win the super bowl because they'd never done it it'd been 50 whatever years since the super bowl existed i was just like they're never they're never gonna do it they're never gonna do it. i saw them lose the super bowl when i was young it was devastating there's i'm just like they're never gonna do this it's never gonna happen and then i did it and i was actually there for it i saw it with my own eyes i saw the confetti drop onto the field and for jason kelsey to to have that speech and for it to be that team, you know, which was so improbable, obviously, with Nick Foles and everything. Jason Kelsey himself, incredibly improbable career as a six-round pick, who's like this, one of the smallest centers to ever play. Just like such a unique player and athlete. Um, yeah, it's been an incredible career for him. He's been awesome. I am sure he will not be going far in terms of, uh, you know, podcast and whatever else he's going to do after this. So uh, he's awesome. He's a legend. And, you know, like people talk about, oh, what Eagles jersey should I get? I mean, just get a Jason Kelsey. It's pretty easy. Just get a Jason Kelsey jersey. Um, I don't mean to take away from him at all with this, but like I think he benefits from how much of a team effort the Eagles Super Bowl win was. Like, you know, like you look at the Super Bowls the Chiefs have won as example. Like it's like, oh, what jersey should I get? It's like, oh, Patrick Mahomes. You know what I mean? Or a Travis Kelsey, right? Like one of the skill players, like – there isn't really that person, you know what I mean? Like, like maybe you got Nick Foles, but that was kind of like a, a, a very, very small, you know, moment. I mean, and you know, the most important one that there possibly could be, you know what I'm saying? But like, like, does anybody have an Alshon Jeffrey Jersey or a Tory Smith Jersey or a Jay Ajay? You know what I mean? People, like people have urged jerseys. <clears throat> no, but, but I guess Zach, Zach Ertz is a great example too, but like Kelsey is like the face, like he, he really is like the face of like the success that the Eagles have had. Mm -hmm. um in this run where like a quarterback would normally be that or like a skill position player would be that like the the weirdness of it all i don't want to call it weirdness because that that implies it's bad it, it's really successful the uniqueness of it all allows to where jason kelsey is the face and even the like you know i know they lost the super bowl but like the tush push you know what i mean it was everything mm -hmm. has kind of like existed around his orbit like he's the sun that the whole like solar system of the eagles has kind of floated around He's their greatest draft steal of all time, you know, bar none. Took him in, again, took him in the sixth round. They have a, a Hall of Famer like that who, I mean, he he could, he, he could honestly, if he wanted to, he could probably keep playing next year and be all pro again because he was all pro this year. Like, and he hasn't shown signs of slowing down. So he could probably even play more if he wanted to. And, yeah, but he doesn't need to, obviously. He shouldn't because he's had a long, fantastic career and he's battled through injuries and he's considered retirement, honestly, dating back to like the 2018 season. So around about five years now. But uh, yeah, great player and will be sorely missed. The Eagles have Cam Jurgens in the pipeline. That is, that's probably going to be Jason Kelsey's replacement. But I mean, I don't care how good Cam Jurgens is. It's just that's not Jason Kelsey. Um, a proper tribute. I know Bleeding Green Nation will, of course, visit the Kelsey career in the offseason when the stink of the season wears off and maybe the the fallout from the new head coach and all that stuff kind of fades. Um, he certainly deserves it. I'm with you. Maybe like, Jason Kelsey is the new head coach. Ooh, like Greg Olson. He doesn't want to do that. Zero chance. And also, he doesn't need to do that. The, the hours that go into coaching, like, zero, no chance. Dude, it's, I mean, people used to say all the time, like, I don't know why like, Tony Romo won't go be the offensive coordinator, blah, blah, yeah, blah. It like, sucks. And you get paid. You know what coaches get paid? They get paid, like, like a head coach probably gets, a head coach gets paid, like, $6 million or so. I don't know, somewhere around there. An offensive coordinator's average salary salary is one million dollars. Like they get paid nothing. 
I mean, compared to being on TV for what's his TV deal like? Uh, multiple well, hundred. Oh yeah, million, Romo's. Whatever. But like you mentioned, Kelsey, like he'll obviously keep doing the podcast. I imagine we're probably gonna get some like maybe not live shows, but like maybe some like Kansas City shows, obviously with Travis. Um, and he did the um when the Eagles played the Vikings. Was it on Thursday? Who they play on Thursday Night Football this year? Well, it wasn't when they played on Thursday night football. Oh, you're right. Who? Uh, but <laughs> he was, it was. I'm sorry. You can't do it during the game. <laughs> my bad. My bad. Okay. Uh, the Eagles bye week. I don't know who. I don't remember who was playing. I but forget. He, I didn't watch this, but I. Yeah, he was. I know he was on the the Amazon he, broadcast. Yeah, yeah, he was on the broadcast for like whatever it was, like the third quarter, and they were promoting the documentary. Obviously, that's on Amazon. Like mm-hmm. he feels he feels destined for Amazon Prime. So to your point, it's like, hey, go make like relative to what you've made throughout your career, like not that much. Or go make that and maybe a little bit more, just like traveling the country and being chill and mm-hmm. bring your family with you, like and do your podcast. Yep. Like, you know, it's not a competition. So. Um, yep. okay. Uh let's get to songs. Rachel's is um, you know, really purposeful. Uh let's see if you have me pull it up. She said, My song is Starts with Goodbye by Carrie Underwood. Speaking of Tony Romo, uh talks about a painful but necessary goodbye, marking the end of a relationship in the start of healing i think that's where we're at with the eagles organization and need for some big changes this offseason especially with the coaching staff um I'm she was go. at not rachelle sorry carrie underwood was at the brian westbrook game if you recall hmm the one where he slid you're talking about yeah our joe mm-hmm. was there too but yeah okay uh I, I play that people i feel like no i'm sorry that. i'm sorry that was jessica simpson no i'm, I'm sorry uh, i was gonna say uh, yeah carrie was sound uh, right that all blurred together for me wow. uh, but very yeah. unbecoming of you i'm gonna go with a song i listened to pretty much either the night of the eagle season ending or the day after every single year this is a tradition i have because i don't know something about it just helps me feel like i am unwinding and it is a song from the season two finale closing montage of the wire it is feel all right by steve earl there's a line in the song that goes the chorus it's like i feel all right tonight but he the context is he's kind of saying it sarcastically but at the same time you're like well what else am i gonna say because i'm still going on like legal season's over it sucks but what am i gonna say i'm devastated i'm just gonna refuse to go on i mean I guess I could say that, but it's not its not really the choice I think I'm going to make or uh, going to be best served making. So I feel all right tonight. Uh, I feel uh, all right by Steve Earle. Okay. Um, good choice. Uh, I've never seen The Wire. It's one of the few things that I haven't seen. I really want to watch a few different shows that I haven't seen. Like I've never seen The Sopranos. Um, so I need to attack that Same. this offseason. You know what I watched recently? John Wick. The John Wick movies oh, because not- they just put them on Netflix. So I was like, all right, I'll give it a try. First one was like, okay, but the other ones are actually really good. So uh, I like them a lot. Um, Keanu Reeves. By the way, I'm looking at just some tweets. I guarantee you the national media is a little bit bummed that the Cowboys and Eagles had their embarrassing playoff exits back-to-back days. Mm-hmm. You know, they're probably like, oh, man, like it would have been great if like the Eagles had won and then collapsed. You know, like we could have gotten the week out of like crushing the Cowboys and then the week out of crushing the Eagles. So you know now it's just who had the bigger collapse uh my song um again trying to manifest things this is the reverse way i recognize it uh, bill belichick obviously coming from the new england patriots my song is boston i, I don't know if it's augustana or augustana mm. uh but it's a good little melody so boston is my choice 
Boston also a band. That's true. Uh, I was going to go. I'm shipping up to Boston, but that felt like mm. I felt like too much. Um, so and you're not doing that, right? No, and I hope this is Boston. No, I've been there once. It was cool. I mean, yeah, best place Talks on the East my Coast. My friend uh, Alex, who's a big Lions fan, contributes to Pride of Detroit. Uh, he lives in Boston for the time being. He's going to be moving back to Michigan at some point. But um, how about that? I'm happy for the Lions. Usually, a lot of times, I don't really care when other teams, like the hard-suffering teams, win. Because, like, okay, I can understand conceptually this is cool for them, but I actually don't really care. It's uh, Having known more Lions people in my life probably impacts me between Alex and um, somebody. I know you know Golden Jeremy, Tate. obviously, too. Um, Golden Tate, definitely in there. Uh I mean, it's it's pretty cool for them to not have a playoff win, and also like I'm around that age. I'm I was born ninety October ninety one. This was their last playoff win was what January ninety two. Like trying to put myself in that situation. That's like try, seeing the Lions fans crying in the stands. Um, people around like look who looks around my age. I mean, that's that is pretty cool. I'm happy they got a win. Good for them. I agree. Uh, very cool scene. It was difficult to enjoy because I was still in the aftermath of the Cowboys sure. loss um but i hope very, the lions cool. win the super bowl honestly i was that's I, gonna be my last can we question agree on that no um so like a lot of cowboys fans disagree with me i'm i'm not like a dfw person um so i recognize some people don't feel this way we've talked about this before but like i'm kind of in on the texans by the way who were yeah. my lock of the week last week You're when right. i beat your lock of the week um, good job by you so i'm cool that my i have three teams that i'm like most cool with texans ravens bills anyone of Let's them make win? some picks why not why don't we, because there's, you know, whatever, so many games left, and we usually make picks anyway. <laughs> there aren't well, any picks to make. We're um, literally on another show where that's the whole point of it. But if you want to spoil that, that's up yeah, to but you. Not everyone listens to that show. Okay. Let's just make these picks. Then. Um, Ravens hosting the Texans on Saturday. Baltimore Ravens and nine-point favorites. Nine-point favorites, though. You like that? Uh, I'll take the Ravens to cover and win. I mean, I'm here. I'm going to take the Texans. Let's do it. Because yeah. it would it would give you some fuel. It would make you feel better for Lamar Jackson to fail. Um, so, uh, yes, yeah. I will be betting the Ravens money line in the hopes that they lose. The Niners are nine and a half point favorites at home against the Packers. Uh, I'm just kind of kidding about that. Uh, maybe not. Uh, Packers are going to cover. No, I'm, I'm mm, yeah, this is going to no, be, a, not. this is going to be, a, no. this is going to be a caution hand masterclass. Like this is going to be like 49 40, 45 to 10. Like it's going to be yeah. insane. Um, the Bucks in Detroit, sa- uh, Sunday afternoon. Excuse Lions me, they're six cover. point favorites. Bucks aren't good, man. Like I know they just like destroyed the Eagles, but again, they kept the Eagles in that game longer than they should have. Also, the Lions destroyed the Buccaneers in Tampa earlier this year. I think that matchup just it's good for them. I'm with you. I would would I mean because I think the Lions are going to win. I would rather see them host the Packers in the title game. Like I'm more interested in that game than I am the Lions going to San Francisco. Sure, just because it would. It would be kind of cool for the Lions to beat the Packers to go to the Super Bowl for the first time ever. Like that would be if they're gonna go. Like I want it to be like the coolest possible story. So like that well, would be awesome. Well, the Lions missed their window to have like a really dream scenario with the Eagles winning, and then they get to torch Matt Patricia's defense to go to the NFC Championship game. Are you kidding me? That's like a fan well, fiction scenario. I don't. I mean, I don't think they care as much about the Eagles or Matt Patricia because like. If the Packers go beat the Niners, everyone will pick them in the title game, right? It'll be like, oh, man, the Packers rolled through the Cowboys, rolled through the Niners. You know, these little Lions are going to stand in their way. And, like, if anyone has owned the Lions for literally 30 years, it's the whole drought. You know what I mean? It's been Mm. the Packers. Like, that would be kind of cool. So, um, 
you know, that would be uh, sweet. And then we have the Chiefs in Buffalo. Bills are 2.5 favorites. 2.5? Um, I think the Bills get it done. I think I think they finally beat the Chiefs in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, and because, you know, they've been kind of begging for this moment since 13 seconds. And I trust most good teams who, like, beg for a moment to capitalize on it, unlike the Dallas Cowboys. So I've got Bills, Texans, and Lions and Niners. You've just got Bills, Ravens, right? That's the difference. Yeah. This is also uh, Mahomes' first road playoff game, right? It is. And um, I also saw – I don't know who tweeted this, so apologies. It's his first visit to Buffalo with fans because the only time he visited it was in 2020 when there were limited fans, obviously. So he's he's never visited Orchard Park with like a full raucous, you know, Bills Mafia. So there you go. It, it's it's properly the final game of the week. Like this, I want it to be epic. So hopefully it is. That Eagles Bills game, the overtime win for the Eagles will go down as like that was the beginning of the Bills ascension the rest of the mm-hmm. season, I think. I'm I'm predicting the Bills to ultimately win the Super Bowl, and that'll go down as the Eagles' demise. So there you go. See, like, I kind of don't want the Bills to win the Super Bowl because I don't want people to be like, well, the Eagles beat them. So, yeah. I don't think anyone will care about that, honestly. And I'm not saying it because of that. I just think that sometimes you need uh, a loss. Not that you don't need it, but um, sometimes a loss like that can serve as a turning point, I feel like, and that seems to have done it for them. Let's get out of here. As we do, tell us anything you want. (laughs) Uh, I love the listeners. Very true. Shout out Mixologist.